welcome all of you today to our online service. And uh, with me again today is Joel Butler, one of our elders from CCC. Joel, great to have you here today. Yeah, thanks, Kevin, for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, would you care to open us up with prayer this morning? Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, Lord, we just come before you. We thank you for an opportunity to, to gather. Uh, I know we're, we're spread out remotely and uh, in our homes, but we just thank you for an opportunity that we can gather and uh, open your word and to learn from you, Lord, and to encourage one another. We do pray that this conversation here today and this time that we have together, that uh, you would be lifted up and that you would strengthen us for these days ahead and these days that we're in right now, that you would give us great perseverance, great hope, great confidence in you, that we can uh, uh, persevere well throughout these days. I know, Lord, these are tough times uh, and unprecedented days for us here in this country. We just call upon your name to look upon us with compassion, look upon us with grace and mercy. May you extend your help to us. May you continue to protect us and our body today uh, from this virus. And may you give us great encouragement through your word today and through your son, Jesus. Uh, we just ask these things now in your great name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. A few years ago, a nationwide poll asked this question. What word or phrase would you most like to hear uttered to you sincerely? I think most of you could probably guess what the first one was, and that is that I love you. The second one was, you are forgiven. And you may not believe what the third one was. <laughs> it is, <laughs> supper is ready. <laughs> How long has it been since we've heard these words spoken to us? Let me suggest to you that God communicates to us daily and that the three statements express God's grace and offers, I think, the best foundation for peace. I love you conveys God's unconditional love. And then he says to us that we're forgiven. We can drink of his mercy. And he always invites us to intimate fellowship by saying, supper's ready. And these three statements, I think, provide a good portion of the gospel and our ability to trust these three truths and live in light of them to determine our level of peace. And never was that more true than today. I want you to notice though something about these quotes. They deal with the past, the present, and the future. I'm forgiven addresses the past. I love you addresses the present. Supper is ready addresses something we look forward to. And during this season of life, the past, present, and future all contribute either something that's truthful or a lie that influences our ability to live life. Uh, you know, we can regret our past. We can feel shame. We can have peace. Uh, we can live the present with a clear purpose and knowing we're valued, or we can live with great anxiety. Uh, we approach our future with fear or we have great hope. It's vital that we be truthful about the past, the present, and the future. Now, for the Christian, the locus of our trust is the person of Jesus Christ. And the truly confident believer understands that Jesus invades our past, present, and future. Think about the oft-repeated phrase, that Christ is the same 
yesterday, today, and forever. Because of what Christ has done, our past is forgiven. He fits the qualification to, uh, to deal with our past. Because of who Christ is, his presence and power are current realities for us. And because Jesus Christ has proven to be trustworthy and sovereign, we know that our future with him is protected. Let me ask you a couple questions. Did a servant that deceived Adam and Eve in the garden, did he defeat God? Did, did the Philistines wipe out the people of God? Did three believers who were thrown in a fiery furnace see destruction? Will Satan, who manifests as a, an antichrist in the future, does he get the final victory? I mean, in these scenarios and more, Jesus Christ is who makes the difference. Let me ask you this. Will COVID-19 or a terrorist attack or a market crash mean doom for the believer? The worst that can happen is the destruction of our flesh. Our present and eternal hope is as sure as Jesus Christ is trustworthy. I fear no disease or terrorist or system of men or even ruin of wealth to defeat me or cause my destiny or purpose to change. You know, the Bible has a theme that runs through its entirety concerning our ability to not just survive life, but to live with hope, to live with love, to live with faith. Well, we can live feeling anxious, fearful, and angered, or we can live with peace and direction. And the Bible has one word for our ability to live with faith, hope, and love, and it's the word perseverance or endurance. It comes from the Greek word hupomone. Uh, it's mentioned in the New Testament over 30 times. And today, Joel and I would like to investigate what it means to live with a great hope for the future, believing that it's a great motivation for our endurance. So Joel, took a lot of time there to introduce it, but what do you think of the premise that our hope is a person, the person of Jesus Christ? Could you comment on that for me? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I was thinking of this. It's I, I love this concept that our hope is is in a person, the person of Jesus Christ, because, you know, this is a clear theme, as you mentioned throughout Scripture, that, you know, when you looked at inanimate objects like many of the other, you know, idols of man are, they can't speak, they can't talk, they can't smell, they can't uh, interact with people. Uh, obviously, putting our hope in those things, in F-22 Raptors, in our military, I mean, these things will not get the job done. And you like to look at, you know, the reality is our hope is in a person, a real person, and not just any person, not a flawed or sinful person, but the highest ranking person of all time, the one who's been found to have no sin, the one in whom has been given all authority on heaven and earth, the one under whom all enemies will be made a footrest, uh, and so you, you get this picture that, that we have a God that we put our trust in who can hear, he can speak to us, he can talk to us. He has emotions, he gets, 
you know, we, we, he, he looks with, upon us with great love. He looks upon us with compassion. And so, I, I mean, this, this concept of our hope being in a person, the person of Jesus is, is you know, immensely profound. And it's one that I, in times like this is great because we can, we can grab onto him, you know, like, like a dad and, and say, I want to draw near because it's, it's scary outside. And, you know, these other things don't give me security. They don't give me hope, but, but you do. And I want to pour my heart out to you, and and I know you will hear, and you will you can respond. And so that that question, Kevin, is is a great you know thing for us to ponder and and realize that our hope is in a person, the very person of Christ. So yeah, it's it's an awesome thing to consider uh, as we look at at our day and age. Those are really good words, and you know I I'm struck by when you were talking about the quality of person that he is, you know, we have, we have a lot of people, people in our church that are on the front lines of this in the, uh, in the medical field or with government, a lot of different ways. And, and again, thank you for your service. Yeah. It's really been amazing to see how the body of Christ has been working in all these different avenues. We try to do the best we can as a church uh, to stay our distance and let you do your job. And again, thank you so much. Um, yes. But still, Human beings, whether it's on a federal level, state level, local level, you know, we're going to be let down, right? Yeah. But Jesus Christ is a whole different kind of person, being God himself. Mm -hmm. It strikes me that even as Christians, we can believe the right things, but we may not have our active trust in the person of Christ. And I think it's even true of people who go to church, but maybe don't even know Christ, or maybe they hope in religious performance. Or it's true of Christians today who maybe instead of being confident in the person of Christ, they might live in a, in a panic or a daily anxiousness. Um, and I don't know about you, but, you know, there have been times where I've been anxious. You know, I, I have felt a period of, of panic um, years ago. I can remember in a, in a job change, you know, there was a, there was a lot of um, even fear about what the future held, you know, it wasn't quite sure, you know, what tomorrow uh, would bring. Um, and there was anxiety. Um, and I know now we've got people that are, you know, without a job or they're, they're thinking they're, they're going to lose their job or maybe the business is out. I mean, um, I think you can relate to anxiousness too. How is it that during that time you think we can really grab a hold of Christ. Yeah. I'll yeah, there's no Yeah, yeah, no that's that's a that's another that's another big one, you know. Obviously, I think we would be lying if we said we we never experience anxious thoughts or times of fear or times of panic. Uh unlike you, you know, I've had moments where, you know, there's uncertainty with with the job, there's problems uh Perhaps health-wise, I've I've had times where I've gone through t seasons where, you know, I wasn't sure, you know, what what was what the exact message was. I had a situation about about a year ago with with my health that was waiting anxiously for some news from the doctors on some things. But you know, and 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 even as I've thought about this too, when I look upon this last couple of weeks, you know, again, I would probably be lying if I said I've never had any anxiousness about the situation right now. I mean, I had to go out this week to 
to get some groceries. And there was a moment where I'm like, I got to get through the store as fast as I can and make sure I don't touch it. You know, and, and, and you get, you know, and there's some good wisdom in, you know, cleaning, washing your hands and all these things. So again, not, not taking away from that wisdom. But, you know, what I found too, is that the more I look at the news and let my mind walk down the roads of festering on thoughts that are only leading me further down the road of fear, it it becomes sort of a little bit of a snare like we talked about last week where uh, I, I become, I, I get too far wrapped up in that I've got to take those thoughts captive. And when I, when I try to do that and I turn back to the person of Christ, like we just said, the one who's overcome death, the one who has all authority and power in his hands, if I go back to the scriptures and I and I recite scriptures both in my mind as well as before the Lord and I read them and I meditate on them, all of a sudden, uh, you know, I, I there's like an overwhelming peace that comes over me. You know, I don't, I'm hopefully you've seen the same in your life. You know, when I when I picture the Lord on His throne and I know He's got all this under His control, uh, I can then all of a sudden relax and as you mentioned the worst thing that could happen right now would be the destruction of our flesh but for the believer to die is to gain so uh really again as you as you take those thoughts captive throw them in the trash in a sense and go back to the reality the thoughts that are of, of worry and fear and all those things take those thoughts captive and deal with them go back to the reality of of who christ is then all of a sudden he can give you this peace uh, his spirit can. And that's yes. where I think we've got to try to live during these days right now. That's so. right. You know, uh, just this week, I got news that uh, Paula Freeman, a dear lady in our church, uh, passed away while she was on a walk. And uh, I've talked to her husband a couple times, Jeff. And great grief, you know, she's a wonderful lady. But it's so cool to see the hope that he has and that their family and they're, and they're all grieving. It's still sad, but as Thessalonians says, you know, you're, you're grieving with hope. You can grieve without hope or you can grieve with hope. So sure, you have the loss of a loved one. And I suppose when it comes to human relationships, that's the worst that can happen. Uh, but yet God meets us there and still gives us rest and hope in the midst of it. Doesn't mean you can't be sad at the same time, um, but uh, there, there's something extraordinary and even supernatural that God provides even in the midst of death. So I, I know that um, I mentioned it before this uh, in the intro to this sermon that we talked about looking at our past, looking at the present, looking at the future. Today I want us to focus in on that future aspect. And I know you've done quite a bit of study on, on Revelation and how it deals with um, endurance, perseverance, and uh, could you share with us a few moments about that and some of the things that you saw about how our future impacts our present hope? Yeah, 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 it's, it's a, a no, no problem. I mean, I do love to, to look forward, you know, and, and look at the future. And, and I do think that Jesus should be the focal point of our future hope, right? I mean, his resurrection is called the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So we look to that as, you know, a, a key reality of the resurrection of the dead uh, in the future. 
we look forward to his dealing ultimately and finally with sinful man and the enemy of Satan and the last and final enemy of death uh, that he will put under his footstool. And then the reality that there's going to be an ushering in of a new heaven and a new earth. I mean, you look at this and and you say, you know, obviously Christ uh, is center to our future hope. And even the book of Revelation itself. I mean, John opens it up and calls it the, the, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the apocalypsis, the uncovering of, of Jesus in, in, the, in the future of what he's going to do and, and even how he walks amongst the lampstands of his church now. And so I do think it, there's a lot of, of truth for us to, to learn in Revelation as we look to the, to the future um, and specifically, what I find interesting is you look at John as he as he was had this vision, and as he opened the vision, he says in verses uh, in one nine, he says, "I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus." And then he goes on how he was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. But you see these three things that he says. He's a fellow partaker in the tribulation, the kingdom, and the perseverance, which I think that's sort of what I, what I want to home in on for us today. You know, we look at our future and we look at Revelation and we look at what's laid before us in it. We see this, this picture of perseverance being a preeminent um, attribute uh, or, or aspect in the believer's life. Uh, and, and he, he draws it out uh, as he's talking about Christ in the church. And uh, so that's how he opens. And, he, and then he transitions to having these, these messages to the seven churches, right? And he sees Jesus walking amongst the lampstands. And the, the view of Jesus there is incredible, you know, of, of just, you know, eyes that can see all and, you know, white and, and glowing and, and great. I mean, just this incredible view uh, of the Lord and how he how he interacts with the lampstands, which are clearly representative of the church of the churches, and then he begins. Jesus does begins sending messages to seven specific churches, and I've I've always found it interesting as you study those those seven letters, what he includes to those different churches, and and six of the seven churches receive some form of commendation from the Lord where he commends them on something they're doing well and it's interesting when you look at what he commends the churches on or what he works in them towards you see an attribute that sticks out that he calls upon several times is this attribute of perseverance you know you look in uh, uh, Revelation 2:2 as he's writing to Ephesus the first church that he wrote to he says, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot endure evil men and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you found them to be false and you have perseverance and have endured for my namesake and you have not grown weary. Uh, and I've, I've always thought that's interesting. You see an emphasis here on this concept of this hupomone word that you brought out Hupo being underneath and Monet being, you know, staying and remaining. So it's like the staying underneath and remaining underneath a load or a trial or a situation. 
And these people in Ephesus, he calls me and says, I know about this. I know that you've, you've, you've toiled and you've persevered and you've remained under that load. Uh, and then he repeats it again towards the end there in, in verse 3. You've persevered again and you've endured. Yeah, go ahead, Kevin. Can I just stop you right there a sec? Because to me, that's a very powerful concept you're bringing out. And I think, I think it gets to the essence of perseverance and endurance. And again, I apologize for interrupting, but. That, no, go I, ahead. I'm glad you did. Um, but the idea that I think what happens in our lives is that we give up instead yeah. of being under this thing. And when we give up or we try to get out, it, it could be a marriage, a job, a church, a relationship, a, a hundred different things. We miss what we could have learned. We miss the character trait that was being worked in us. We miss what God was wanting to do in our life by trying to fade the heat. Yeah. And so I, I think by staying under it, uh, now, obviously, I'm, I'm not saying you, you stay in the burning building or you stay where there's, you know, a present <laughs> danger, but I'm saying that when there is a, when there's something that, that we could do to participate, to bring reconciliation, to bring love. And instead of doing that, we just say, no, you know, uh, I'm not up to the task. I don't want to do this. And so to me, that's a powerful concept about the essence of endurance. Yes. Yes. Amen. No, I think you're exactly right. And, and obviously to Christ, he values that. That's what he's saying to these people. He's like, I see that you've remained and I'm, and I don't miss that. I, I, I'm not missing that point. I see it and I'm commending you for it because yeah. you've endured, you've persevered, you haven't grown weary. You've, re, you've taken that load, you've remained under it. Uh, and I'm commending you greatly for it. And so yeah. I think you're right. And we, a lot of times want to just escape out of everything, uh, which is a natural tendency, but I do agree with you that we, we in doing so we can miss the, the lessons that he's teaching us and the growth of our faith, you know, as we endure through trial and tribulation that we know it brings about, a, a, you know, growth in our faith and our walk with him. So we, we sometimes yeah. miss out on that. So, yeah. Again, please continue. I'm loving it. Oh, no, no. Yeah. No, thanks for, for throwing out. I'm glad that you glad you did, Kevin. So, you know, then you look at the second church that he wrote to Smyrna uh, and you find out he makes a comment to them in verse 210. He says, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Now here, obviously a great call he's given these folks. He knows they're going to endure some, uh, some tribulation for a specific duration of, of time that he, that he mentions to them. And they're even going to have to face death and that reality and in the end, he says, you know, I'm going to give you, there's a reward at the end of this trial and test, uh, and that will be the, the crown of life. And what's interesting is that if you put that in conjunction with James 1, uh, verse 12, where he says, blessed is the man who perseveres, hupomone, under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So, that same sort of promise here that, you know, ultimately there's a call for us to persevere, remain faithful, knowing there will be days and times of trial and testing. 
and that as we persevere and remain, now we're back to what we were just saying a minute ago, there's actually a great benefit, right? And here, there's a reward, a real reward, the crown of life. Yeah. I mean, that, that is an incredible thing to consider that he will actually give us this reward as a result of persevering through tough times and times of tribulation. Um, yes. So that, that's another profound one that always stuck out to me. And then you look at Thyatira, the fourth um, uh, church that he wrote. He says in 219, I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance and that your deeds of late are greater than they were at the beginning or at first. Uh, so yet again, now we've got a third church that he's calling out and giving them commendation of their great perseverance. You know, he has these attributes, love, faith, service, and perseverance that they've, that they've grown in. And it is, it's interesting to see here that they've grown in these areas. You know, he, he sees that he, he specifically mentions things that, as it was at the first or at the beginning and how they've grown uh, in these attributes, which tells us that, you know, we as believers, as we walk, like days like today, hopefully are growing our perseverance, right? These are times where our our faith is, we have to go back to what we believe and we, we go back to our trust in him and we persevere through times like we're going through right now today. So it's it's cool to think of the the attribute of perseverance actually growing and developing further as we as we go through these things. Um, so you know then you look at it that the sixth church that he wrote to in Philadelphia in uh, 310 in Revelation he says because you have kept the word of my perseverance I also will keep you from the hour of testing that hour, which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell upon the earth. So here they're actually keeping the word of his perseverance. I like the fact here you get a little different phrase, right? The word of my perseverance. Like this is an aspect that we should expect. It's part of his teaching to us and his word to us is that we will uh, undergo times where we will have to persevere much as he did, you know, Christ did as he walked on the earth uh, and persevered under great uh, times of, of temptation and, and, and testing and he persevered. And so we too are called to persevere. And here it's cool that, that he sees it because you've been persevering, he can then deliver them from certain things that will be coming uh, in the future. So there's a reward there again. Um, and then, Kevin, you know, you stop and you step back and you say, you know, when you've got, you know, a number of the churches, you know, over half of the churches he writes, he talks about um, perseverance, you know, so you've got four out of the seven, he mentions perseverance, one of them, he mentions it twice. And you say, you know, it's interesting when you study these letters, because he doesn't highlight the attributes that man would normally, if we were evaluating a church, we look at programs, numbers, facilities, the, how big of a staff they have. If you study these letters to the seven churches, you really don't find hardly any of those attributes as being the key things that he lists as being things he calls out. But perseverance and love and faith 
and deeds of, of service. These are things that he highlights and perseverance is one of them. So yeah, I just, what, are, you, what are your thoughts? That's a great point. And you know, I think every Christian, every pastor hearing this would say, oh yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> but when yeah. it comes to what you're really evaluating in the staff meeting, what you're really talking about in your leadership meeting, you know, what you're really encouraging your church to do, um, what has to be preeminent are these character traits and yeah. obedience to God in the midst of any trial and not, you know, give, give more, build more, invite more. You know, we always look at the numbers and not that you ignore those. I'm not saying that yeah. Yeah. these yeah. character traits of faithfulness and, yes. and, and perseverance, you know, I don't know that God is going to reward us for how much money we make uh, <laughs> or for how big our church is. I think he will reward us for, for being faithful. Um, mm -hmm. and, and those things are truly critical to the success of our Christian life. And uh, I, I think that's a, that's a great point that you're making there and really appreciate uh, that, you know, giving that the, uh, the accent that we need uh, in this. So thank you for that. Yeah, especially, you know, Kevin, you think about our day and age where, you know, now is a time of, to, to persevere. We are facing some heavy loads. There are families that jobs are, you know, being impacted, you know, even us, we're unable to meet as a church right now collectively. And that's, that's you know, we're, it, it's a time to persevere um, and, and to take that load and say, we're going to continue to remain faithful. We're going to look to the Lord and, and persevere. You know, it's interesting as John leaves those letters to the seven churches, he then shifts in chapter four and starts looking towards a time of great trial and tribulation that will come upon the earth. And he gets into a lot of details and it's, it's an incredible study, you know, that, that we're called upon in, in chapter one. It says, blessed is he who reads these things and heeds the, the words of this prophecy. And, you know, as you read it and study it there, there's a lot to take in. And clearly we're not, we don't have anywhere near the time to dive into to, to much of it. But it is interesting to see that you see little glimpses of calls to the believer to persevere, or the saints to persevere in the, these hours that are going to be coming. Uh, Revelation 13, 10 says, if anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. And that verse has always stuck out to me because, you know, that's in a chapter dealing with the rise of the beast and great world powers and lots of turmoil on the earth. Um, and right here in the middle, you hear a call for this perseverance and faith of the saints. Those that are willing to, to take the load, accept the persecution, be willing at, at times maybe even be called to go into captivity uh, and that, you know, and being able to, to take that load and persevere and remain faithful to Christ. And, and that is going to be the call in that day and age. Um, and so that's, that's a profound. And then in 1412, he says, here's the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. So again, we have faith involved 
and keeping his commandments. And that's called the perseverance of the saints, that, that ability to remain faithful and to remain steadfast and obedient to his commandments. Um, and so we know that'll be a time of him, you know, administering, you know, judgment and justice upon this earth. Uh, and yet we also see a call here for the saints to 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 remain faithful, to remain and walk under the, under the load and say, you know, persevere through that time. So through Revelation, Kevin, you get this picture that there is a call for the saints to persevere. Uh, I don't know today when I look at this COVID-19 thing, I don't know what the next you know, if this is just one of many birth pangs, you know, in Matthew 24, he talks about birth pangs coming like wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and, and famines and things. But I know that I can, I, we can walk through it together. We can walk through it and remain faithful to his calling, uh, even if there's a heavy load. You know, we don't have to, to, to bow the knee to, to man or to the beast or to Caesar or to different things. I mean, in John's day when he wrote this, that was the issue as the Roman Empire. If you didn't swear your allegiance to them, you, you, you died. So yeah. um, anyway, it's, it's a big call, isn't it? It is a big call. It is a big call. And I, I know you had some other things here related to Jesus. Yeah, it's okay. It's, and yeah. Paul talking about this to persevere, but we... We've only got a few minutes left here. So yeah, we're good. We're good. We get through some of this. But I think your point was just that we are called to this perseverance. And I guess one of the things I wanted to chat about, we'll close with this, are, are the things that motivate us to persevere. And yeah. I want to suggest, and you touched on it, uh, that there's fruit that's produced in our present life. And then there are rewards in the future that can be tremendous motivational factors for us to finish yes. well in our Christian life. Uh, Romans, for instance, 15 says, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another in Christ Jesus. Now notice first in that last verse, that God may may the God who gives perseverance, in other words, it's something that is God-given. It's something supernatural. It's not something that we can muster up with the strength of our own willpower. It is resident yeah. because Christ is in us and we're in Christ. And as we depend upon him, perseverance will be one of the traits that we have. So we, you know, it's not some, you know, we, we think of perseverance as the extra strong person but it's the person who knows he's weak. It's the person who says, I've got to have Christ or it's bust. And, and yeah. Christ is the one producing it. But notice also here that the vehicles for this perseverance and encouragement are the scriptures. And, yes. and this passage says that that, that fuels hope. Um, that, that to me is a, is a great encouragement. Um, 2 Thessalonians 1.4 says, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions, which you endure. So perseverance is not our luck of the draw that everything's getting better, but it's that in the midst of persecutions, God's given us the strength. And, uh, and, and back in that previous uh, passage in Romans, it's kind of cool that, 
that uh, hope is fueled by perseverance. And, yes. and then here yes. in Second Corinthians, you know, it says we're enduring through this, uh, we're, we're persevering, enduring through the persecution. My thought of this is, and you, you can help me uh, explain this maybe a little bit more, but the more we see God move in our life, the more we see him, okay, now I've made it a couple weeks with COVID-19. I don't have COVID-19, but in this yeah. society that's got it. Um, and God is here. And God is helping us endure. And, and, and the more you grow, it's like the more hope and the more faith you're given. But the more I seek the Lord, the more he encourages. And do you see that kind of the same way? Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I think that yeah, as we seek him during a time like this, uh, it's, you know, that that develops our hope all the more. You know, it's, it's all like it stretches us. It puts us back to the... To our to our reality of that he is on the throne that he does have this under control that we can turn to him and and again when we walk our lives without that perspective we just go along trusting in our own selves and the things that we're doing but all of a sudden when we're called to take a load over our on our shoulders and have to bear with it uh, it, it brings out it develops in a person you know a per proven character and then eventually it, it further develops our hope as Romans 5 4 says so yeah it's a great it's a great you know sort of chain of events perseverance proven character proven character hope and and as we as we cry out to him and turn to him it, it, it develops us because we're facing this reality with COVID-19 so yes you know it's kind of like I can remember when um, I was a kid and I went to a public pool, I didn't know how to swim. And I threw myself in the deep end. I mean, it may have been stupid, but I did. I was wanting to learn how to swim. <laughs> I mean, I dog paddled, I swallowed water, but I made it. And, you know, as bad as it looked, I'm sure to everybody there, I knew that I could make it. And then the next time I went in, you know, I, I did a little better. And then I actually sought uh, some help of other people on how to swim. And pretty soon I got the hang of it. But if yes. I wouldn't have thrown myself in that first time, you know, I wouldn't have learned and survived and know that, you know, I could I could gain more um, more encouragement and uh, and endurance and persevere the next time. Um, I think that's kind of how it works in the Christian life. The more we see God work, the more confidence we get. Um, yeah. Amen. I think that's I think you're right on the point there, Kevin. That's how we can go back and take such encouragement from the scriptures, like you mentioned in Romans 15, so that we can read about all the stories where, where the Lord came through, right? Uh, even yeah. if it was the last hour, even if it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like you mentioned in your opening, where they didn't know for sure how it was going to unfold. Just like we talked about last week, you did, they didn't, you know, when you don't know for certain how it's going to unfold. And then at the last second, they're in the fire, and then Jesus is there with them. I mean, they would, yes. you, know, you would have liked to have thought, well, couldn't you have intervened a little earlier before I actually got thrown into the fire? But the Lord did that, and he showed up, and he saved them. And we can read that story and take great encouragement and know that the Lord will come through. And I know everyone out there, the Christ Community Church, it's a believer. They've all walked with the Lord, and they've seen him come through in the past. I, yes. I, I trust they have, and I and I hope that we're looking to both our our own experiences when the Lord's come through, and His scriptures where He did come through in the past, and saying, "Look, we can take this. We know He can come through for us today, yes. no matter what lies yes. around the corner." Yes.
I want, I want to close with this, and that is yeah. just the idea that endurance is going to be worth it, that it brings rewards, that God loves us so much that he desires to not just give us an attaboy, but to give us eternal rewards for this faithfulness. We see this time again in Luke 21, 19. It says, by your endurance, you will gain your lives. Romans 2, 7, to those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. And then Hebrews 10, 36 for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. And so I just want to encourage our people that God has got something good in mind to give you, not just in the character that he's building in you, but also in terms of eternity. And that is the case even during this time in COVID-19, that our continued endurance and faithfulness with our families with our friends, our neighbors. God sees every kind act you're doing and uh, wants to reward you for that. So I just want to encourage you to continue to do good. And there may be some that are listening right now that have never trusted Christ as, as their Savior. And I want to encourage you, there's no better time than now uh, to yeah. put your trust into him. And I, I will lead you in a prayer, and then I'm going to close in prayer. If you decide to trust Christ, would you message me on Facebook? Let our church office know. I had a phone number at the beginning of this message. At the intro, you can uh, text. Let us know of your decision, and uh, we would love to get you some materials in your hands to help you grow. So if you'd like to trust Jesus, and you know that if you're to die right now, you don't know whether you'd be with God in heaven, I want to encourage you to pray a simple prayer right now. Say, Father, I know that you love me, uh, but I also know that I've sinned, and that sin keeps me from heaven. I pray that you'll forgive me. I put my trust in Jesus who died on a cross, was buried and rose from a grave that I could have eternal life. And I ask you to forgive me. Come into my life and forgive me and make me the kind of person you want to be. If you prayed that prayer, let us know. And then Father, I want to pray for our dear family at Christ Community Church that you'll continue to guide them, that you'll continue to encourage them and that you would help us to endure. The Christ in us and us being in Christ, we know that you've given us the ability to do so. And may we look to you in our relationships um, and all that you present to us each day that we can be faithful to you. We love you and thank you for your goodness that you give us. I wanna thank you for Joel and the conversation that we could have here today. May it be a great encouragement to the saints in our body and beyond to endure in this life. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Joel, God bless you. Thanks for being with us today. And to everyone else, we love you and thank you for being with us. We'll see you. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin.